brief, I interview a person who swims at a public pool to find out a little about their lives. In essence, it's a look behind the goggles. You can find interview details, show notes, and subscribe to this podcast on my website, www.thedeependpodcast.com.au. Welcome to the Deep End Podcast. Today I have with me Scott Dennison. Hi, Scott. Hi, Jane. How are you? Good. Very well, thank you. Yes, very well. So, Scott, I um, have to say you are actually the catalyst for this whole podcast series. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that, Jane, but I'm uh, (laughs) very privileged to hear that. You are the catalyst for this podcast because... One day I took a photograph and I wanted to um, tag you in Instagram and you told me that your Instagram handle was Scott Dennison Shirtmaker and I thought, you're not a shirtmaker, you're a lifeguard at the pool. (laughs) That's correct, yes. (laughs) So then I came to think, well, I wonder how many people have a different life that we know nothing about. We just see them in situ here at the pool. And we just think, oh yeah, that's that guy that does breaststroke or that's the person that wears those cool bathers. (laughs) We don't really know. So that's that's what I thought. Oh, this would be an interesting way to find out about people. So there you go. Thank you, Scott. No, that's right, Jane. So uh, (laughs) no, that is true when you work at the pool or you're a a frequent swimmer at the pool. You often make friends with a lot of people and you might only know that, you know, get to know their, their first name after about three or four months and then find out other little things about them and you'll have a chat but you, you do have like it's like a little secret society that you, you, you have all this different life away from home and you yeah. often get home and you'll tell your partner or your wife oh look I was speaking to Jane or I was speaking and they know all these names but they've got no idea who the people are and yeah. you tell them all about these little sequences of you know of your stories from the pool and, and then often if you don't see them for a while the swimmers or the you know, you wonder what's happened to them, but you, you know, and sometimes you, you might really never see them again, and you them. never can contact them, and you mm. might never see them again, and all out of the blue, they'll arrive a year later or two years later, and you catch up on the on the news. But it is a quite a funny dynamic that that you're actually running the people, you don't really know much about them, and you know their name, and you have a chat, and then they come in and out of your life, and then. And I find it so weird that when we are making these sort of micro friendships, I guess you could call them. Um, that we're standing in our bathers, like we're so exposed and we're really much more intimate than if you met somebody at a bar yeah. or at a party, you're not, you've got clothes on. <laughs> yeah, and actually, you know, sometimes you can be standing quite close to each other. Yeah, and as you say, right. you're like, you're, you're either, you're like in your bathers and uh, yeah, that is a, that is a funny, yeah, funny dynamic as well. And uh, often you're running the people in the street and you, and it takes you a while to actually to <laughs> form a, form a, like a, process the actual person and say oh yeah you know they might say hello to you and you're not sure straight away who it is and then because you have you haven't seen them actually you know fully in their actual day gear or their you know their, but it's quite an intimate situation and uh it's funny you know through that like since i've started doing the lifeguarding you notice like how important like you know health and fitness and just looking after yourself is because you see so many different sizes and shapes mm-hmm. at the pool and uh and something i do part-time as well is like I drive a bus for the elderly two days a week, like okay. um, on a Tuesday and Friday, just for a bit of community service. And uh, and that's down at Classic Classic Residences, which is a big retirement village down in Bentley, Brighton oh, area. Oh, yes, yep. It's got over 500 residents. But oh. often there's a majority that once they get over their 80s that they can't drive anymore yes. and they're all on walkers. And 
some don't have any you know family or people who look after them and they've still got to get out and mm. that might be their only outing for the week is getting oh, on the bus right. with me where do you take them and we take them to like on on a tuesday we go to southland you know on a the friday we go to bentley and southland or chatston and uh and just through those situations like you know seeing the people in all their different shapes and sizes here and the fitness level of people's and people and then seeing the latter part of your life where you run into all these people who are getting older mm. and how a lot of them are all on walkers and, and things like that you can see how it's so important that's how what i've type of become a bit of a focus on how as you get older seeing the different how you've got to look after yourself yeah because you can see more. um you know when you deal with elderly people you can see how important just you know you, you keep that strength is and to look after your health and fitness because you know you a lot of them are all on you know walkers and find it hard body strength and things like that so mm. now because of that I've just you know just done a, like a certificate three and four in fitness as well because it's interested me so much oh, and okay. so um that's just from you know working at the pool here and doing that bit of work with the elderly you know two days a week as well yeah so it is very you know one funny thing I always noticed you know with looking after all the elderly that mm. everyone's looking about you know you read all these things about oh this certain diet and that diet and this the oldest ones down there like there's a lot that are 98 and 99 mm. who still come on the bus and Obviously, I'm taking them shopping, so I'm looking at what they put in their wheelies because yep. I have to carry them to their doors and you know carry the packages to the doors. And I can tell you there's certainly no like chia and you know cranberries and and all these <laughs> super foods like that. Kale. No, yeah, no kale, no um, no uh, Swiss vitamins, nothing like that at all. Oh, Swiss vitamins, it's, oh it's, my god! It's don't like get me uh, potato chips, Tim Tams, <laughs> full cream, um, yeah, all you know, alcohol still, everything like that. So. For all these people who think there's a secret bullet, I can tell you that the oldest residents down there, they just still live a diet like that. And the... Um... Yeah, well, at 90, you're not really swin swanning around <laughs> in your bikinis, looking, you know, trying to see if you're hot or not, yeah, yeah. taking selfies in the gym bathroom. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. No, that's, they're all got a great outlook on life. That's probably the main thing. If you've sat and you've got no interaction with people and you don't have... Um, a, a positive outlook on life then maybe you're not going to live to be that's so true. old i agree and, and i think too um basically yeah you've got to have that interaction and we're all very happy there so when we all get older we're all going to look like there's <laughs> plenty good. of nice residences for us you know, but hopefully we don't get to that stage there's for a, a while yet a cocoon future ahead of us <laughs> remember that movie yeah that's cocoon. what i do i do all yeah. the oldies in the pool yeah no exactly i do <laughs> that'll be us <laughs> So, um, yes, well, as we said, you work at the pool. When did you start um, working as a lifeguard? Well, I did it. Probably, actually, it was, I just got a notification from the Estonian Council last week that it's been two years in April. So, okay. basically, relatively I, recently. Yeah. yeah, just two years. And basically, it was just through, like, I've swum here a lot, you know, like, I've always enjoyed swimming. So, I do a lot of training here and, and here mainly because I just live in South Yarra. Mm -hmm. Always lived around this area. And yeah. um, I, got, I got married a bit later in life. Like, I've just turned 57. and and I, I got married around 44, 45. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, so, you know, then, you know, lucky enough to have two little boys now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, age Congratulations. Six, yeah, age six and uh, 10. So, type of made the decision to, um, you know, which you never know if you're doing the right thing, but I, I thought I'll just send them to private school. All right. Down at, uh, but basically, like, you know, my clothing manufacturing business, which manufacturing in Australia is pretty hard at the moment. Your actual full-time job is making shirts. 
That's yes, right. Yeah, you're a tailor. I'm a t yeah, like a manufacturer. I'm a manufacturer, you know, tailor, custom made did, did shirting. You trained as a tailor. Yeah, did a cutting, you know, yeah, cutting course and everything. So. And then you have a full time business making shirts. Shirts, yeah, yeah that's right. So then this is how you got to the pool to do the extra money for the for the, for the school. <laughs> for the yeah, school, that's for the school. Right, and I had yeah. to try and figure out how I could do something, like how I could make some extra income to pay for the private school fees, mm -hmm. without. You know, taking a lot of time out of my day. Yeah, yeah. So I was sitting yeah, here. Yeah, you don't so, want to take away from your time with your family just to put them in school. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I, and plus, I, I got to work at the factory during the day as well. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, what could I do? And I was swimming here one morning, and I saw like an old lifeguard here, Paul. I used to spend a lot of, you know, chat to mm -hmm. a lot here, and he and he used to be Paul, here. And, yeah. Yeah, and then and then he left. I thought, oh, gee, um, must be a job vacancy. There must be a job vacancy because <laughs> I heard that he went to Sydney. That's so right. I thought, um, oh, that could work out well because I could come and do like five till ten roughly, which is the morning shift. Mm -hmm have a quick swim and then the factory's out in Springvale and go right. to work yep. and then, you know, still come back and maybe, you know, pick the kids up from school, you know, at three o'clock and everything mm -hmm. like that. So I, that, that was, that's the basis of the whole, you know, oh, the lifeguarding. Right. Okay. So it's been, look, and I must say, it's been very, very rewarding. Like, just like, just, you know, like meeting yourself and so many people mm -hmm. that, you know, I really, really enjoy it. Like it's got to the stage where even once, you know, the, the clothing starts kicking some goals again, mm -hmm. I'd probably still do a minimum of like, you know, a couple of shifts, you know, morning oh, yeah. shifts shift a week you know just because i just like seeing all the faces and you know keeping in touch with everyone so mm -hmm. well you have the, you have the squads in the morning which are good so you've got mm -hmm. a lot of um like the training for this yeah you know, like there's the tri chicks there's a uh, johnny van wiso who's a you know famous you know tr you know long distance sportsman he has a squad here and mm -hmm. michael from you know, h2o and now you have a lot of you know the junior kids coming through who represent the state and things like that so it's a really good bunch in the morning so that yeah. usually goes from like you know quarter to six they get here and that runs through to something on the 7 30. Mm. Then you have another group of people, and so that runs through till about nine o'clock or nine thirty, even ten by the time I leave. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, that's very enjoyable seeing all of them. And so then, when I finished school, I went away for a while. I spent a lot of time in Honolulu, Hawaii, oh. about a year or so, and just uh, you know, gap year. You know, my uncle got back, came back from overseas, and yeah. for finishing, you know, HSC it was in those days. He just gave mm. me a, a continental ticket. Continental used to oh, fly fantastic. into Australia. Yeah. He said, you know, just a one way ticket out of Australia. One way. Yeah, one way, yeah. <laughs> Your so. mum must have been going, what, you, what the hell? <laughs> but like, yeah, so at 17 I hopped on the plane and uh, went over there and, uh, and had a brilliant time and just uh, ended up just bunking with some guys in Kahala, which is a beautiful suburb of, of Honolulu. Right. And um, and they ran a tour company called Aloha Tours. Yeah. And just, um, and I'd go a lot away with them during the, you know, during the day often and just help them with the tour company and yeah. you get to know the whole island and Fantastic. then the rest of the time just you know surf all the different you know north shore and the you know all the different sides of the island and it was fantastic and you Living know really life. yeah and i still got a you know, real soft spot for you know every time i see here on the radio like trips to honolulu jetstar you know 549 return <laughs> i think geez in lakeland that did be great to hop on the you know hop Come on, kids. Get, get over there <laughs> Get a How job. long were you there for? Two years. Oh, no, I spent about like twelve months there. Oh, 12 months, yeah, twelve yeah. months, and then. Did I'd... you have to get a work permit or anything in those days? It would have just been. No, nah, it was all just actually. I only went there just. I was oh, going to go there for a couple holiday. of weeks, you know, yeah. and then I since I just like loved it so much, I I went around a few of the major hotels on Waikiki Beach and oh, said, yeah. look, you know, you just need a ironically a pool guard or something, you know, something like that. And <laughs> yeah. here I am, in, you know, thirty years later. You know, <laughs> She's 40 years later, buddy. That's terrifying. Yeah, let's yeah. <laughs> Here I am as a lifeguard at the Brown Pool. A bit different, but uh, from the you know, the Pink Palace or the Waikiki, Sharon, Sharon and Waikiki or the Pink Palace. Yeah, it's yeah. the Pink Palace, they call it. It was right on the beach. And I just went in there and said, yeah, obviously, can I have some work? And mm. obviously, because of the visa restrictions. Australian accent. Yeah, but I met this fan who was the manageress, came out and she was a fantastic lady. And we became very good friends. And my parents mm. used to go over and stay with her and everything. When I wasn't there, a lady could, you know, um, Lynn Tickham, I can still remember her name. And she said, look, Scotty, I can't do anything for you, but I've got some mates who run this tour company. 
So what you can do, there are four guys who live in this house in, right in Kahala, which, right on the beach, which is beautiful, and they, you can just probably crash on their couch and give them a little bit of, you know, you know, money each week or something, and you can probably get a bit of cash from them cleaning the buses and stuff like that. So that's basically what I did, and these guys, I just slept on the couch, you know, for the whole time, and there was four guys, single guys, and it was oh, a blast. Like, and I, yeah, and I was just like the young guy, because they were all in their probably mid-30s by that stage. Oh, right. They are older guys, but they just type of looked after me. As I say, I was only 17, and um, yeah, it was a brilliant time. So yeah, I've got a real, you know, soft spot for the you know, the Hawaiian Islands, and just, because I haven't been there for a while, but... So is that when you fell in love with shirts, Hawaiian well, what, shirts? Yeah, Hawaiian shirts. Well, ironically, I just added my, my latest line is I just, I just called it the Aloha, Aloha shirts, and it right. was all like beautiful palm trees, and, if, and mm. a lot of things that this this season are all palm trees and yeah. pineapples. It's very inland. If yeah. you looked at like Punky Trunks Bay, there's a lot of pineapples yeah, yeah, and a lot of that, and, yeah. and there's a, quite a bit of a theme at the moment. Mm. So I had a big Aloha theme in you know for the shirts this season. Yeah. But no, basically, I just um, had to get a job. I you know like I. Didn't really. I wasn't student enough to go to university. Didn't interest me anyway. But mm. I just I had some like family history with the clothing, and then oh, yeah. I thought tourism would be big. So I had two interviews. One with Federal Hotels. A guy John had who used to run Federal. Still does run Federal Hotels, which is the biggest. I think you know type of down to Windsor. They had the first casino in right. Tassie and stuff. They were a big, big, um, big hotel group at that stage. Yeah. And Sportscraft, which was probably the biggest you know clothing privately owned clothing yeah, company yeah. in Australia at the stage from sports girls, sports craft, Crescent A, wasn't it? Mm. So I had two interviews. Uh, the uh, sports girls, sports craft one was on the Monday, Federal Hotels on the Tuesday, and luckily they, you know, when I had the interview with Mr. Vivian Russell, I can still remember the, the guy's name, you know. Oh, you're good on remembering yeah, names. Yeah, he offered me the job in dispatch at sports craft, and so I rang up Federal Hotels. I took it because I just thought I'd keep the, the yeah, parents yeah. happy. and. And then rang up the guy, you know, the assistant, John had his assistant at Fed Flight House, look, I've taken this position, you know, thanks for the opportunity. And then as soon as I walked in there, Joan, I just loved the buzz of it because it was a big factory in Redfern Road, yes. Campbellwell, huge. Yeah. And all the machinists, the pressing, and it's got a really good feel about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started there and did, you know, like did, you know, did the cutting there, apprenticeship there and everything like oh, that there. Okay. And that, you know, that was terrific. And then just worked my way up through dispatch and then got there about when I was 18. And uh, so I worked through till about, 24 there where yeah. I just learnt my craft and then worked my way through sales as well and mm -hmm. did like you know the same selling for Vic Taz for all the sports craft and then finished up at Lacoste they bought the license they had a lot of license licenses yeah. in those days yeah. from YSL to a lot of labels and I they type of asked me to run the um, Lacoste brand for them you know really? when yeah, so that was a from a, a sales perspective yeah like it was, yeah. yeah there was like a general manager in me as a, as a sales manager and yeah. it, was, it was just a two of us and it was a very famous label in those days you know sure. the Chamille Lacoste and so we got the license for it, and, and I was fan well. Actually, luckily, when I was there, um, they sponsored the Davis Cup. They did mm. all the, the, the umpires' chairs had all the, the crocodile logo, yeah. and everyone wore the Lacoste out. The guy was the general manager went away, so I was in charge at that time when Australia was playing the Davis Cup against Sweden. So I had to represent the company at all the major, you know, functions, and you know, sit yeah. next to the sports minister at the time, John Brown, and 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 these amazing. You're the and, man. And it was a brilliant because this a lot of people if you're a tennis. If you remember, it was at Kuyong. Yeah, and, Stefan and Egberg. I think, and Michael Pernfors, and, and like, right. and Michael Pernfors played in his five set. I was on the Sunday afternoon against Pat Cash, and he won oh. the first two sets. And this was to um, to see who won the Davis Cup that year. Oh, it was yes. against Sweden, you know, oh, and, um, oh and it was like it was oh, like four um, and, and and it went. And this Michael Pernfors won the first two sets, and then Pat Cash came back, I think, and won the, the last three sets. So Australia won the um, wow. the Davis Cup, which was a really big thing back in those days because it would yeah. have been like early. You know, you know, early 80s, and it was a big, big thing. And um, 
and it was just a brilliant time. You know, we had a big function of all the, the teams back at the, um, which is now the um, the Sofitel Hotel in the city at the top mm -hmm. end of Collins Street. Then I think it was called the Regent Hotel, which was a beautiful yep. hotel oh, in those yeah, days. Nice. I can remember sitting next to all these, like, you know, Ted Tingling, who was a big commentator from England and a big fashion icon, you know, mm -hmm. fashion icon, and he was at the top commentator. It was a, and it was a very exciting time then. And so at the end of that, I had a little shop in Brighton. Right. Which my mum was running for me, and I employed a cutter to work there. Yeah and make shirts right. and I was bringing in all this exclusive fabric from France and Switzerland and, and making these very beautiful cotton shirts that no one had in you know because a lot of these mills were just exclusive to Europe and they, yeah. they, no one had seen these fabrics and so mm. when I could see that was taking off I said to Lacoste look you know I, I'll finish at Sportscraft which was a hard decision to make but I could see my the little business had some legs and it was yep. the early 80s and and I could just see that you know I could maybe make something happen here and so yeah, the I economy was on the rise. Yeah, yeah it was and, a really brilliant yeah. time, those early 80s. So mm. I told to resign from, um, you know, Sportscraft, which was a hard thing to do, and they offered mm. me some other positions. But I said, look, I've got to do this. I was 24, I thought I wanted to try this. So I was very lucky. You know, like, I just got on a boom, and I just ran with it. And, like, you know, ended up opening, in that five-year period, I opened about eight shops around Australia from, like, had one in Brighton, you know, one in the, the Como Centre, which was just built, one in, mm. in Little Collins Street or a couple in Little Collins Street, which... George's was still around in those days yeah, and um, and he'd walk through the George's and we had the two shops behind there next to the George's hostess store and it was just a boom and like you know then we opened one up in, uh, in Double Bay in Sydney and Transville Avenue which was terrific a couple in Adelaide you know and you know another one in Ivanhoe and and you know Bow and Heads all, like so we you end up having about eight or nine shops around Australia you know oh, at that God. stage because it just got on it just it just Fantastic. that's what happens in the clothing and you yeah. just get on a, you just get on a run you have and, to and take it while yeah, it's you, hot. When, when you're running hot you run hot and just mm. so it was a brilliant you know really good time like you know from from about 24 to you know um to 30 so i just you know had a had a blast but then like you know like anything you know, type of you know two words still in my, my brain like growth consumes growth consumes cash and always trade up market never trade down market they're two things i always remember from the clothing and so I don't know about that last one these days. Yeah, that still holds true. Seems to be everybody's trading down market. Yeah, I know. That's why. That's why I can. I think of that saying, and you know, the great the guy who ran was a very successful John Blood, who was a very famous, you know, clothing man, and he ran. Mm -hmm. He was a CEO of Sportscraft, you know, as long as along with David Bard as the owner, and he oh, said yeah. to me that when we're selling the cloth shirts, George's used to have the imported ones, which yes. they used to charge $150 for. Yes. And we said, well, why would you buy those when we can sell, we can make them in Bendigo where we're making them with all the, oh, with all the machinery imported yes, from France yes. and we can sell them for $59, you retail for $59. Wow. But no, and then you just got the little logo on there, but they're under license. But yeah, it's made under. in Australia rather than made in France. Oh, and they yes. said, look, all our customers what made in France yeah. and they'd rather spend $150, but now you're selling for $59. They won't want to buy those ones because it's like uh, it's like not as prestigious and it's not yeah. as prestigious because they like people knowing that that shirt cost 150 dollars and there's not many <laughs> of them around so there is that type of uh stock value and i always remember the head of louis vuitton said when times are tough he doesn't put his prices up he doesn't put his prices down he puts the, he puts about a two or three thousand dollars extra onto the um onto the products because he said that clientele will still still buy it but the more expensive they are the better it is for them because that's <laughs> They feel as though they're getting, you know, something that the normal person can't buy. So oh, yeah, so I anyway, I might have to try out that philosophy with my knitting. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Well, I think instead you're... of selling knitting kits for twenty nine ninety five, they're now becoming two hundred and twenty nine dollars. I, 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 I still struggle with that now. Like I look at my shirts and I think, uh, you know, from what I, they, how beautiful they are. Like you know, I think mm. God, I should be charging three four hundred dollars because it's such a finite market here in Australia. Yes. And that's the thing. Whereas if you're over in Europe or you're over in America, there's such a 
difference we have between your high-end customers and your low end and even if you've got 0.1 percent of the market it's such a big market yeah, whereas here right. it's a very very limited market so and everybody's you, after the same pool yeah and people, if you're trying to charge yeah. that 250 or three you know it's, if you, as i said if, you, if you're the type of the flavor of the month you'll get it but all of a sudden after a year they might say oh, i'm sick of paying 300 for that shirt we'll go somewhere else yeah, or something else comes in the vogue so i ponder that question all the time like it'd be better to go and do volume and sell 500 shirts and sell them at 99 dollars or sell 20 shirts and sell them at 459 dollars but yeah. you know it's a hard question and like especially in the climate now with so many clothing shops going under and yeah you just gotta it's hard to um type of uh work out but so do you do in your stores like custom design for people or basically you... what i've done now because now i haven't got any shops i decided to close because oh, okay. like you know that's why i was struggling and i started having to do the lifeguarding oh, yeah. because like I had, I had about the last three shops and i just decided to close and close them down i lived on top of one of the shops in yeah. glenfree road Marvel, which was oh, great okay. oh, yeah, and i've so always loved living on top of the shops but unfortunately yeah, like it, it was just time to move on so yeah moved over here to South Yarra. So mm. what I do now, I, I'm just finishing off the, trying to develop the website, but it's quite a process. So mm. basically you go online and you, and you, if you want a ladies or men's shirt, you choose the style, like it might be like a fitted, a classic and a, and a you know, a, a semi-fitted or something like right. that. So you have three designs you choose from in the shirt. Men's you might just have a classic fitted and a semi-fitted as well. It's like, you know, like a size chart. But go into the fabrics and then we have the whole range of the classic Liberty shirt fabrics, like it might be 300 designs. So, so you, you have the fabrics from London? Yeah, from, so, oh, so they're, all, they're all uploaded. So you can Gorgeous. choose all the different yep. fabrics you like mm -hmm. from London or as from Switzerland, from Turkey. So you're oh, getting wow. the three, you know, I've mainly done the three best mills you can get the fabric, you know, the cotton fabrics from around the world. Yeah. And there's like about five or 500 different fabrics you can choose from. So, mm -hmm. so basically, because often, how do I know, what the, you know, when I even had the shops, like I might buy 20 fabrics, but they might be 20 fabrics that the fabric the customer doesn't like. So yeah. this way they can go through and they can say, look, I'll have that fabric from London, I'll have that fabric from Turkey, I'll have the semi-fitted shirt. So then I DHL the fabric in overnight, you know, a couple oh, of days. Oh, you only buy the fabric two on purchase? Yes, yeah, so I buy two wow. metres. So it saves a lot, of, um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of um, yeah, cost involved. Yeah, because that's the thing. If you have to carry stock, you've got to store that. It's a, an initial outlay that's quite, you know, an impact on your business. Yeah, so you've got to stock the shop. Yeah. Then if the season's running six months in advance, so you've got your stock. Then you've got summer coming, so you've got to pay all that money out in advance to bring all that fabric in. Yeah. Then you've got to design it all. And if you pick the wrong colours, then you're stuck with all this, yeah. this stock. So basically, I'm trying to eliminate all those those, those problems. And um, so basically, you get the you order your shirt. I DHL the fabric in from um, from, from Europe. Wherever, yeah. yeah, so it usually gets here in you know a week. And then I'll uh, custom make it, hand make it for you in, in the factory. And, mm. and I've just done one for like, you know, recently, and hopefully this lady doesn't mind it, you know, but her husband just had a stroke, and so, he couldn't do the buttonholes on his cuffs, you know? Oh, so yes. I just made him, in fantastic, cause like, you know, I've made him all these beautiful Liberty, wild Liberty prints, yeah, and these beautiful, beautiful, you know, Turkish cottons. And so we just Velcro the cuffs. So this way you can actually, oh, so you can do all these little things as a, as a, as a tailor like that, you know, just, so rather than have to try and button the cuff, which is hard for him, we just Velcro it. So he just rips it off and, um, Perfect. and, and little Nobody things like that. Nobody would even notice. Yeah, no, you can't even see the Velcro mm. there. So on top of that, like we just started this little thing. I think I said to you, Jane, like, because I get the off, the off cuts of the fabric as well. Like, so you mm -hmm. get, all, you, know, you might be left with a bit of like a meter here, or not a meter, but like, you know, it might yeah, be some, 10 centimeters some fabrics, or something like yeah. that. So I thought I started making all these little hankies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like, yeah. and started your pocket, this bit, squares. squares. Yeah, like, so this thing called hi hat hankies and pocket squares and little bow ties and, and, and hankies, just like nice Liberty cotton hankies or Swiss yeah. cotton hankies, that, and try to get that whole echo, you know, 
friendly feel about no more tissues, use a hanky so you're saving a tree and yeah, we're donating yeah. the profits, you know, part of the profits to the, 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 uh, the Botanical Gardens Victoria oh, yeah. and also the Great Barrier Reef Foundation. So trying to give the part of that profits back to the, you know, to those environmental type of areas, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And so do you have partners in your business or is it all you? No, just me and wow. just, uh, but I've got like a, you know, people who obviously work, you know, yeah, work yeah. there, you know, with me, you know, so like, you know, machinists, people, yeah, yeah, exactly, and do all that, so obviously, the, you know, because you know how we do it, we, we'll get the fabric, we'll cut it, we'll mm -hmm. fuse it there, and then uh, we've got the embroider who will then embroider it, you know, because we do all our labels embroidered into the collars rather than, oh. you know, stitched on and everything oh, like really? that. Yeah, so little That's things like nice that. That's a nice idea. Yeah, so, and then obviously you've got the machinists who, you know, then make it, or we'll do some of the pressing ourselves, but if we get a big order, you know, we might have to do get a presser to come in and press it for us and everything like that as mm -hmm. well so yeah look it's one of those things you know like it's it's I guess it's I've always done it you know the clothing and once you've done something you still love it and you know an amazing run from like say 24 to about 30 like yeah. it's just you know incredible <laughs> like you know for the next 20 years yeah. trying to get that second go at it like Replicate you know and, I, and that, I might yeah. I might never get that run again but the one thing with the clothing it doesn't take much you get one like you, you get another idea again and all mm. of a sudden you're the flavor of the month and yeah. And away you go again, you know, and you might have a run for another year again or, or something like that, you know. And uh, now I've, I think you just got to get out there, and like, and that's the thing I've noticed as you get a bit older, you lose a bit of, um, especially doing the early mornings here, then you've got your family. Mm. Sometimes you, you just the energy, you know, all of a sudden you get home and you're doing 25 hours here, you're doing you know, another 10 hours at the, at the bus drive, so you're nearly doing 35 oh, yes. hours. Uh, yeah, plus you're doing that volunteer, that's right. Yeah, so you're doing 35 hours yeah. a week, you know, or that, and then you've still got a family and the clothing, mm. so that. You just got to get that energy back to get out there and because there's no there's no secret you know yeah. well you just got to get out there and knock on the doors again and hustle again and hustle and hustle and hustle and hustle yeah. and that's the only way you, you get rediscovered again and so it's just that getting that motivation back to get that you know get into the and get through the hard yards again but it's like one of those things when you get a beautiful fabric mm. you know you put on the cutting table it just lays beautifully the machine goes through it just perfectly and the machinists love making it yes. and when you wear it like you wear a polyester shirt or a cotton poly shirt gets hot and your body starts getting all sweaty you get a beautiful cotton shirt and you'll never wear anything again because it's just good quality fabric against yeah. your skin you know once you've t t t you know tried that fabric you never go back to like a poly cotton or a cheap fabric again and just no. um you know with the, with the websites these days maybe you can do something internationally as well and you know and get yeah. a few orders from them as well because the product's certainly up to scratch and maybe Beautiful. people might like the made in Australia because you know made in Australia yeah it appeals to the American market yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah like we certainly you know like I've got somewhere in China that does it you know in case people like a big you know, like quantities and they don't want to pay the price but mm -hmm. you can just notice it even in the, in the quality and the in the oh, difference right. of making everything even though they're using your fabric yeah it's still like yeah. it comes up all right but it's just got a different feel about it you know and yeah. they and there's like a little shortcuts here and there where it's oh, you know little things like the, the strength of the button you know, like, oh, you know, yeah. they, they just don't do it strong enough. So if you're mucking up your buttons and they fall off, it can be very annoying. You know, whereas, right. you know, you, there's little things like that, which is quality control. You just don't get exactly, exactly right, unless you've got somebody on the ground there. Well, got this Scotty, little... if you can get men out of these damn check shirts, um, I would be forever grateful, honestly. I, I, Jamie, I laughed when you said that because I went to, um, I, a David Jones guy, guy gave me a, a ring once about some consulting for their menswear area on the ground floor there where you work between work before Little Collins and, and Burke Street there and uh, only thing I said I said I've never seen so many check shirts in my life oh my God. and every time I see a guy where it's on anything they're always wearing a check shirt <laughs> and I said just because of that like I never I don't make any check I don't like I said if a guy wants it I'll make it for him mm. but I only do the florals 
like pineapples, any, anything completely abstract, <laughs> I only, only or make. Or plain. Or plain. Yeah. You know, I do like, you know, beautiful baby blues, whites, mm. all the classics. Yeah. But I don't, a stripe maybe, but a check, I, oh. I just, because I, I, I think, I can't believe. It's like a plague. Like a gas man or something like that. <laughs> and I, I often joke to my um, to my wife, I said, the minute I start wearing gas man or something like that, you know, <laughs> shoot, shoot me. me. <laughs> <laughs> and I know. A, but the terrifying thing is that's such a big business, guys, man. I think that's like 90% of the people in Australia wear it. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us about your alter ego away from the pool and also all the other things that you do. That's great. Really appreciate your time today. I'll have to wrap it up and um, maybe jump in the water, have a swim. Yeah, that's what I've got planned, Joan. I'm going to get in there and... Uh, a bit of a swim. It's amazing what it does to you. It's like an elixir of life, isn't it? You get in there <laughs> and is. you can feel so tired and you do a couple of laps and you're uh, ready to go again. That's fantastic. Okay, good on you, Joe. Right, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Scott. Okay, thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye-bye. for listening. Don't forget more background info and previous episodes are available on my website. Go to www.thedeependpodcast.com.au